So, Mr. Pintero. The guy on the left is Carl Matthews, president of Local 6650. And this is Dave Early, secretary treasurer of the National. Oh, right there. You see you see the guy there? Uh, that's Hugh Simic. He administers the pension fund. Right. You're going to recognize this fellow right here. That's you. Am I correct, Mr. Pintero? That ain't me. <laughs> Let's watch a little more. Let's take it. <laughs> when you gonna take, take a picture of us? Everybody say money! Oh, here comes a great shot right here. When you everybody say not guilty? Right here, here it comes. That's not you. That ain't me. Welcome to Marcus Played. That's how you do it. The podcast. That's about how you podcasts. let people know. You know it. What they clicked on. The <laughs> 20 people that listened. It wasn't the logo. <laughs> right. It wasn't the Twitter. It wasn't the logo. It wasn't the intro mm. music. It wasn't Although, any of that. Uh, I think I probably should take some blame. I I used the logo, um, the, the, the like avatar logo, which actually doesn't have the name on it. So maybe that plays into the fact that we uh-huh. need to tell people what they're listening to because I don't think there are any, there's any text on the logo I'm using. I have no idea. I just kind of haphazardly start throwing things around and making my little show art. Shout then, out oh, to okay. uh, Tim from First Time Watchers. He did both, so I'm not sliding him. He gave us the full version and like an avatar version, which I just I prefer. He, he I actually have a uh, a laundry list of versions of it that he gave. He gave me probably like 10 different versions. This is really inside baseball. Uh, I The only one I remember was he gave us uh, blue and gold, and I think we both rejected it for being Golden State Warriors colors. Like, yeah. Something so now we're the, the effect, Phoenix yeah, Suns, strangely, that. which neither you or I have any <laughs> fandom or affiliation for, but that's fine. Well, they're doing well. Um, okay, so we're talking about uh, Enemy of the State, and we're piggybacking off of our uh, love of fat, sweaty... Um, uh, Tom Sizemore. I was going to say it's been a, it's been a while since Tom you and I recorded behind the curtain. Um, yeah. But I, as a true fan of our own material, one of the few Hiro, uh, I went back just yesterday. I was like, all right, I need to listen to where we left off with our uh, our published material. So I'm surprised that you forgot your uh, your Hollywood stand-in for yourself. You know what? I will accept that. I'll accept that as a compliment. Because, man, that dude was living his good life. Do you think he was full method acting here? Because, you know, the, you go into the scenes, into the into the back of that restaurant, he's sweaty, he's stuffing pasta down his face. I think it's something where, uh, you know, you want to talk about the, the better Scott today. You want to talk about yes, the greatness of Tony Scott because Dave, on a podcast directed by, refuses to ever he's feature him. Yes. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna traipse us around his house on Zoom, but he won't give us the content we really want. Look, Dave, I, here this one's for you. I don't want to walk around your fancy ten thousand square foot house. You know what I want? I want you to talk about Tony Scott. How about that? You want something a little more intimate, Dave, Absolutely. in your ears, talking about Tony Scott, which will I assure you only ruin Tony Scott for you. But I'm gonna pay the uh, you know the dearly departed compliment. I think that uh, it was pretty common for him to have. Uh, actors coming back into the fold, right? And he he worked with a ton of stars uh, over the decades. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that he just, you know, this is a case of the shoe fits. It's like <laughs> I know a guy <laughs> who can bang this out. I don't think it's going to be much of a stretch. Uh, I, and I'm not knocking Sizemore because coming off of Saving Private Ryan, obviously he has some more dramatic moments. But this is pure play, right? This is fun. Let's just get together and let's uh, 
well, let's just do something entertaining. I don't know. I disagree with you. I think that uh, Will Smith is is highly complex in this movie. You know, he's got a, a lot of he's got some some comedy stuff going. You know, he's he's doing his Will complex. Smith. Say again. Complex. Oh yeah, he's doing some complex work. Yes. That, well, his character is written with a little complexity, right? He's the lawyer. He's obviously our hero, right? He's being attacked by this government agency and yada, yada, yada. And so you're rooting for him. But at the same time, you're, it's revealed that he has cheated on his wife. He's had an affair. And so he's kind of, he's got a little rough edge to him, right? And then the, the inherent fact that he's a lawyer, because we all hate lawyers, right? Hmm. But at the same time, yeah. he's Will Smith. He's charming and he's, you know, he's a funny guy, yada, yada. So... I think that there's like layers here, you know, like when we talk about Tony Scott is it's built on some of the casting, right? Will Smith at this time is at the peak of his powers. And then you've got also um, the way he, that character is written and, and, and all these characters around him, how they interact with him. I think there's a, like a really good level of complexity here with him, which takes me to my podcast. Wow. Okay, quick. Five minutes in. You, 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 you teed it up for me, man. I mean, it's like right there. So... You know, I, I went after a podcast called Film Hooligans, and I don't think that this could be any more on the nose with our discussion about Tony Scott being the better Tony, Scott, the better Scott. Um, and they they talk about film directors. They just they hone in on a, on a on a guy. They talk about the movie, but then they go into like a director's career, and they focused. They did the Lord's work here. They did what podcasts directed by <laughs> cannot Should will not do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were talking about Tony Scott, and like I said, they they characterize and he fleshed out his characters. Like he he did it so much, to then when shit hit the fan, that's when that's why we cared about the action sequences because we got to know these people, and, and then the peril kind of seems weighted. It's not just random red shirts all the time hitting the floor. Shit. I mean, I will tell you, there's there's scenes in the little later part of the catalog that I, I look forward to talking about because that stuff you're talking about those. I always say this in action movies, and, and Drew and I have said this on our show forever, but I like the moments between the action and action movies more than I like the action. I don't actually like action in action movies very much, usually. If it's done amazingly, it'll get me more, but often I, I just it's just sensory overload. You burn out. But if you have great characters and you have those great moments where directors really go for it, they try to give you like a little moment in the movie, um, those, are, those tend to be when the movies land for me better. And, and the later part of his catalog has a lot of that, so... Uh, what you're talking about of him really going for it with character is something he's been trying to do forever. And and it works sometimes better than others. He was, he was very aware of what he was doing. In an interview, he said, my stories are pretty simplistic, but the characters are always complex and always right. And that comes from the script and my research and reverse engineering what I find in the real world. So even if the story is kind of like, all right, man, flies plane or whatever, uh, he thinks the, the, the scenes hinge on the characters. Here, they're talking about how the action of the films have a lot more weight to them. Because the characters are so well developed, right? One, he talks about how that how he one one of the hosts talks about in action movies. He's not so much a fan of the big boom bam action, but of the scenes in between and those how those characters interact because that builds how much you give a shit about that action, whether the person lives or dies or make it out of this perilous situation. And I think that he does that here with uh, with Will Smith's character. So. I guess, you know, this fits with your topic, but you're you're giving like all of the kudos here and the credit to Tony Scott for being well, the Well, of course. Uh, this is the uh, theme with, of the podcast. Yeah. You know, hashtag Marvel. Although I don't know if this hashtag plays as much, but to see the uh the the Nick Fury here, like he assembles this like super talent 
and then just sort of trust that it's like he's got all the pieces in place here because he has a certain style, but I don't know if I would say Enemy of the State is you know one of his more stylistic movies. Like I would think this is like a solid double for Tony Scott. Like I don't think he's going as crazy as he as he can be in some of his other films. I again disagree with you completely. I think there's a, quite a bit of style here because he's taking like he's really well known for there's no all Susan Sarandon uh, lesbianism. So. Uh, first off, that's where wrong. you hang your hat. That's what you're looking for, right? That's what, no, he's always well known for like the the how many cuts per second. You know, he's edit, 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 edit. He's very flash was bang, and I think that he does quite a bit of it here as we cut to sort of the video from overhead and all that stuff. I mean, to me, it's not as stylistic that way, just because it's a plot point. Like you know, it's not like you're you're taking a, I guess, relatively normal, uh, you know, action thriller and throwing this on. Like you know, Mike, Michael Bay. Uh, going back to a terrible month of a podcast directed by, uh, he adds this stuff in to something like The Rock or Bad yeah. Boys. But you could see a version of it where it's just played more straight. But isn't that the beauty of it, though, that it is a plot point? He's So he's using this stylized thing as a plot point? Like, isn't that even more of a kudos to the great Tony Scott that all of it is, uh, like, meshed together? It's seamless, right? It's... It's, it's really very is. in your face, but it's it's within the plot. It's within the machinations. This is truly your audition for a podcast directed by because, like my co-host Dave on there, you are just slobbering all over Tony Scott. Like, <laughs> no matter what our chosen director, everything they do is is gold on that show. <laughs> they are I mean, there. I look at this dude's. <laughs> have you looked at his IMDb? Well, the the film that I was referencing was something. Um, like, and it's actually one I've not seen. Um, it's but just based on the trailer, which is selling pure style as Domino with Keira Knightley. Right. Yeah. That's the one where I'm like, okay, you you could have just made, I guess, a you know, if you want to call it a normal bounty hunter movie. Uh, but he is selling the fact this is a Tony Scott joint, and I guess oh, I, yeah. I don't see that as much with Enemy of the State, or I don't think. If you uh, were not, I guess, a cinephile of some regard, you could go into Enemy of the State and you wouldn't really make a note of the director. I guess that's what you're saying as far as the beauty of sort of merging the style with the, the premise itself. Right. Mm-hmm. It's style and substance mashed together. You know, you see it a lot in Man on Fire as well. You know, you see sort of those, that hyperkinetic, it's not quite as heavy as Domino. Domino, I think he just went all in. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, well, one of your favorites, and I think uh, where the the you know the moniker uh, is, has to be somewhat inspired uh, by True Romance for your podcast, True Bromance. Uh, that seems like one that you can't deny that's a Tony Scott film, but he definitely has melded his sensibilities with Tarantino, which is the you know he's he's come to that territory and not like. It's not like he just took the, the, the core idea and said, I'm going to do away with all of this. Like, we'll just have the lovers on the run. I'm going to make it my own. Like, he actually did try to meld that with the script. Yeah. Uh, Which is, of course, you know, my love for Tarantino. It's like, uh, it's like, this is like the best threesome I've ever had. You know what I mean? This is like having a threesome. Yet again, erroneous. How can you be wrong? And all I have to do is go back to the hunger with Susan Sarandon. I <laughs> 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 can be wrong so many times when we're just talking about the topic of, of Tony Scott. I, I, I kind of went uh, a different way with my podcast, and I actually okay. kind of struggled with this one because I, I was thinking of different ones like um, 
Uh, the conversation was one that came to mind, which I think that uh, they really sort of toyed with that. So we talked earlier about uh, putting Tom Sizemore in a very Tom Sizemore fitting part and yes. letting him play. Uh, you have uh, the conversation from, I believe, 74, Francis Ford Coppola. And so you have Gene Hackman, a little tip of the cap, kind of, to, to that. Like, you know, he's someone that in that film is working uh, within this uh, sort of security field. And because he's he more than just a tip of the cap, wouldn't you say? I mean, this is like, I don't you think know what this is? This is the aliens to the alien, right? This is the... It walks up to that line. It, yeah, it, it, it walks gets really up close. There. Um, you know, I, I think that certainly now there would be a push from the studio of like make it the same character, <laughs> like make it explicit oh, yeah. that you know what if they can get the rights to it, they would they would uh, they would acknowledge that. Um, it's funny you went with aliens because that's kind of the, the odd thing with the the other Scott with Prometheus that they were so coy with it. Uh, and when that, I guess, didn't do as well, they were like, "All right, fuck it, just call the next one Alien Something." It's <laughs> we're just that's why he's it. the lesser Scott. <laughs> but the podcast I ended up finding was actually on Enemy of the State because I couldn't find my exact in uh, because I knew you were just going to uh, give a big sloppy kiss to, to Tony Scott. I don't have a problem with that, but I felt that it might make listeners uncomfortable if both of us were doing it. So they actually were kind of talking about. It's it's movie date night, and that's this is an odd one for uh, the title of that. But you know, it's it's that's man the name of the woman. podcast, movie date night, movie date night. So okay. I, I don't think anyone's going to accuse Enemy of the State of being a prototypical date night movie. Maybe uh, a Tony Scott film. So uh, while they're investigating this accident scene, uh-huh. say quotation marks accident because it's staged to look like an accident. One guy who's there just to make sure everything goes smoothly looks across the lake and sees there's a nature photographer who had like a hidden camera to photograph ducks is like taking his camera out like putting the another one back and go oh shit i bet you were on that camera mm-hmm. and sure enough they are and then this whole conspiracy the, the thing about it is the the nature photographer doesn't realize to start with that he has any evidence at first he's like oh he's there's something going on over camera. there yeah. well that sucks but yeah but he ought, like maybe it's just the way it's framed because you're seeing it from the the the, the cop's point of view yeah um it looks like he's like secretly grabbing his camera and running it looks like that, but for him, when you showed from the camera guy's point of view, he just like doop a doop a doop, listening to my creed, do do do, put the music in and take the. Music. But they don't show it from his point of view. That's the no, thing. they do. They show it from like his thing of like him like taking the camera out, calmly putting the cam- a new camera back in, mm-hmm. and then going to his truck yeah, and driving off. I don't know. And he's like not running. They show it like from his side of the yeah, lake. Yeah, I guess he's not like oh my god, run. He's <laughs> like oh, what's that over there? That son of a bitch. Something's going on. Okay, whatever. I'll maybe hear about the news later. <laughs> but what's weird since his camera was pointed that way I'm surprised he didn't automatically go to the cops and say hey you know I have a camera set up here like it could have caught something which you know would have mitigated this whole thing had he just done that yeah right it's one of those like loopholes that yeah. you know like had you done this no going through the whole like they had some interesting comments about Will Smith about sort of the expectations then and now and how we sort of perceive him and they talked a little bit about uh, you know after he sort of made good with his sci-fi films and then this like because this is kind of a step in the direction right of playing like a normal person not necessarily a superhero not a normal person under the something like what tom cruise would do and that he is excellent at everything he's the normal guy uh, wow who's speaking what? of slobbery kisses well <laughs> can, have you, can you think of a part where 
Tom Cruise is like, I don't know, he just like runs a gas station or something. Like, and even if he did, he would be the most physically fit, <laughs> smartest proprietor of gasoline, like whatever that film was set in. So we have Will Smith here, who is the Hitchcockian sort of wrong man. Literally something has dropped in his lap. And they, they sort of talked about how this was like, you know, a lead into him uh, going into the Oscar Beatty material. Like you can see the through line of going from Independence Day, Men in Black, high concept. This is also kind of high concept going to more grounded stuff. But they were, they were saying like you, that he just, he's a genuine movie star. They can sort of bring it in whichever field. Although most people probably prefer this, <laughs> but the clip I want to use, cause we got to get away from the, uh, you know, the, the big, uh, <laughs> just, I guess French kiss we're giving to everyone here. They had a little bit of a critique and it was kind of interesting. And I want to toss it to you. Their critique, okay. uh, could be seen as uh, maybe nitpicky. Now, it's a funny aside. That's why I wanted to mention the fact that they actually talk about some broader subject matter because I don't want this to seem like, man, for an hour and a half, they're just really uh, making Enemy of the State uh, not very fun. But you know, the point of the film is how no one has any privacy anymore. And so the right. Gene Hackman conversation part two character is one who's known this forever because he's worked in the field. He's part, He was part of the problem, the, the establishment to set this up. And, but their nitpick was, so Jason Lees, who gets Will Smith and all this trouble by dropping the, right. uh, the video footage, he has video footage because he's doing some, like, nature, like, Yeah, bird uh, watching, I think. Yeah, yeah something. Just tracking these birds in this particular lake where a political assassination has taken place by uh, Mr. Uh, John Voigt. Who, Which, is know. there a lot of money in bird watching? This is what troubled me about the movie is. So you dude, would love this podcast then because it's bird watching. <laughs> He's got this like fancy apartment in Washington, D.C. Get out of here with that. I feel like no one would ever come to our defense and be like, no, no, no. They actually talked about some other s- stuff, but they would. We, we spend a half hour probably on just this or Susan Sarandon in a lesbian relationship, which is You keep still bringing on my that mind. back. I think that we're going to have to focus on this for a little bit. But yeah. Go ahead. Make your point. Yeah. So their point was uh, what gets this rolling is that Jason Lee comes to pick up his footage, which is this sort of hidden camera that just so happens to be pointed right at where this execution, where this assassination took place. A little unjustified, that execution. But yes, go ahead. (laughs) And how – well, first off, I thought you'd like this. Like there's a debate on uh, how suspicious Jason Lee should be. Like why there's just one character who's like looking across being like, what's that guy doing? Uh, as opposed to any other of the law enforcement on the scene where just a van pulls up across the lake, a guy gets out, fiddles with something like in the weeds and then just casually walks off. But they also were condemning the Jason Lee character for taking zero interest. And in what has just transpired scene that's right in front of him <laughs> where his camera has been pointed and not even thinking about it. He gets home you know, he he does his podcasting, whatever, you know, he fools around with his buddy and he's got the, the footage on the background and it's so casual until he sees, you know, this murder. Their point was you could solve the whole thing right there. If he was just more aware of his surroundings yeah, or more engaged with his fellow man, you just go over the cops, ask a question like, hey, did something happen here? Well, here's a camera that I've got pointed right at it. You want to check this out? So it was interesting to me that the point of the film is, you know, That's why he's a bird watcher. On, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Well, they, they 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 agreed over at Movie Date Night. Oh, yes, but I like the, this podcast. The point that they're making is, uh, shouldn't this guy be more involved in giving away 
footage that has been secretly taped. And now in this instance, it's going to catch the bad guys. But it's a it's a thought that I thought you would like as far as like the only way to control this is to fight fire with fire. And Jason Lee could have, you know, first off, his character would have lived. Spoiler alert. But also, Will Smith wouldn't have to go full Tom Cruise if he had just uh, asked a couple questions and then offered up his services right off the top. It is a it is a bit of a problem. <laughs> But I I do think I like this podcast because I had the same same thought like what it what is he doing like what is it? this is why Jason Lee is a bird watcher I mean because he's an idiot but you know you talked about Jason Lee <laughs> bird watchers I, I feel like I need to change like yeah you know, we're recording these like a little album today uh, man there is a bird watching movie with Steve Martin and Jack Black that I would absolutely make you watch for the next episode if oh. we were doing this week to week yep. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and, and hopefully fight that one off. I gotta, I gotta. So in other words, for the that. next hour, or so the, I gotta the big year, and it's riveting. I gotta work something <laughs> in better. Um, when you're watching, you know, we talked about Tony Scott and how um, you know he did a great job of casting and developing the character so that the action is awesome. And because I, I love this movie, I think it was it's fun. It's a uh, it zips by. It's got this energy to it. Uh, Lisa Bonet is fine as hell, so I'm there. But when you look into that van, you've got like a who's who of actors that I just don't want to watch but have been forced down my throat by the studios for years. You know, like Jack Black's in there. Oh, man, let me follow the nanny. She doesn't shave her legs. Jesus. Women like that are so hot. I think Jamie Kennedy might be in there. Uh, Is Seth Green in the van? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's of that ilk, right? Yeah. The late 90s uh, young people, smart aleck young people that I actually kind of like that because uh, I can't remember if it was in a review, probably Ebert, when this released. Uh, someone pointed that out, like a major film writer. Uh, they thought it was a nice, terrifying touch that Tony Scott implements by putting these like jackasses as the faces of the people who are doing like absolute evil. Like it's yeah. like John Voight, like, you know, in a shadowy figure in a room, like commanding someone's death. I guess that doesn't trouble us as much, <laughs> but Jack Black, Seth Green, <laughs> like those guys. You've got Scott Kahn and what's the, and the, the blonde headed son of Jake Busey or J- Jake Busey out there as our violent guys. Barry, I mean, Barry Pepper, I'm afraid of. Those two clowns. <laughs> well, we're just so coming much. off of Saving Private Ryan, so you know I, I, yeah. I get that. But uh, I think this is the time where uh, we do our segment on men's hair. You sent me a text that said we had to bring it up. So this is the end right here, talking about these youngsters and the great Scott Kahn just wearing a, a helmet, like a bulletproof <laughs> helmet he's got on top of his head. <laughs> that thing is as high as humanly possible. I where were we in our lives? What year was this? 97, 98, something like that? 98, yeah. That that hair was acceptable. That, that hair that was, was a it, thing. man. Late 90s. That, I mean, the uh, spike it up, uh, thick and hard and brittle with as much gel as you can pack in. Um, yeah. It's I'm literally to... the length of his face. So it just doubles the length of his head. He's he's like Megamind. I, I kind of, I have to admit, I kind of, dig it because scott con this and what varsity blues i don't know if there's anything else he's really like known for like i know he continued to work is um, it in the oceans movies in one of the brothers in the oceans movies yeah i have to say him and uh academy award winner casey affleck they, they're definitely bastard they are the uh weak link in that all-star cast for me they're 
I guess comedic stylings never really mm. never really did it for me. You um, want it to be his other you stick to his moody I'm going to mope roles. I feel like you go with if you want like a douchebaggy character, you go with Ben. You know, speaking to go back to your theme of like rivalries between brothers in the entertainment field, Ben Affleck can do an awesome asshole, like loudmouth buffoon. And Casey Affleck, he just doesn't have it. He's got the Oscar. But Ben Affleck, like going back to uh, Mallrats. Is he too big and too good looking for that role, though? Mm, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think you're the, playing him. The two, if you look at the movie, those are the two diminutive guys. Like, if you, you know, all, everybody else is taller than them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, Scott Kahn is always like the, uh, what, like in Boiler Room, right? He's like the physical presence. He's like the guy that will throw the first punch. Um but definitely not Casey Affleck. I don't know. I just I've had Mallrats on the mind of late, and mm. <laughs> Ben Affleck is like a uh, you know child predator that constantly wants to have anal sex with all the women he meets. That is the character I want in Ocean's Eleven, which is why wow. I would never there I would you never go. be given Bring more power. anal to Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Hashtag Michael Denniston. <laughs> See, I wish there was someone else kind of doing what we do, just a better version of it, just so I could have the honor of someone clipping out. <laughs> Here's what we heard on Marcus played this week. Bring more <laughs> anal touches. I was thinking more uh, days that confuse Ben Affleck, where with he's paddle? he's obsessed yeah, with, with young men's asses. So yeah, spanking and anal. <laughs> he's got an age demo <laughs> and a body type. <laughs> Hashtag Marcus played. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to throw it back to your topic, though. So, are you sincerely pausing? Tony Scott, the better Scott. Oh, by a long shot. I don't even long think it's shot. close. So I think that Ridley Scott has some of the landmark films of like all time. You know, we've got Alien. Top heavy. Uh, yeah, he's very top heavy, but his lows are pretty low. You know, Exodus is really uh, bad. Really it's, bad. It's a tough one to uh, get through. Um, but Tony's got this barrage of movies that almost never let up. You know, he goes. After your beloved hunger, I love goes, that movie. That's a Top I mean, Gun, Beverly Hills Cop Two, Revenge, Days of Thunder, Last Boy Scout, an unsung movie. I love that movie. True Romance, Crimson Tide, The Fan, Enemy of the State, Spy Game, Man on Fire, Domino, Deja Vu. That was actually pretty good too with Denzel. Why do you think? Uh, so do you think it's just the the lack of the top tier classics that make him? Because he's not actually like, like when Top you're Gun. Just, well, like some, like Alien and Blade Runner, like go into film snob territory classics. I don't know if Top Gun reaches that popular, but Tony Scott always seemed like oh he's the sort of populist brother. He's the one that does the pure entertainment, and I think he had respect. And certainly someone like Tarantino loved him, thought he was great. But it just seems like. The the letterbox community, I don't know if you want to call you know you call it that, uh, would never go with Tony Scott over Ridley Scott, uh, even though as you point out, Ridley Scott doing Exodus, like when he misses, he misses badly, and I don't know if Tony Scott had anything like that off the mark. I don't know. You're the right. Count- we even talked about the counselor uh, on the Savages <laughs> episode, which is you know that's like a. Uh, all time just so debacle. you know even fans of it like myself it's like well it's not that bad there is that like it's so bad it's good kind of territory when you're getting into uh you know Cameron Diaz um suction cup 
you know, waxing the car, um, which is the way I would like to (laughs) have that service provided. Um, But I don't know. Like, I feel like Tony Scott would have done something like the the Martian is closer to, I think, uh, I guess, you know, the big brother in the sense. Right. Doing material has the, his younger brother would have done successfully or playing in that field of like sort of popcorn entertainment that is firing on all cylinders with like a, a phenomenal cast, um, and yeah, we also talked about, uh, Hannibal, you know, I had a conversation about that and I feel like that is something I could see, also see Tony Scott yeah. doing. Cause he, I'm he looking has, at Ridley's, uh, Ridley's IMDb and what the hell is a good year? You know, he's got a, a legend uh, in here. You know, uh, a good year. I think you ought to check that out as a, as a foodie a counselor. Uh, a good year is a wine movie. Uh, set on a vineyard, and that one is uh, that one is not Ridley Scott. All that one definitely wears the cape of this is one for me. Like I've made you people enough money, let me make this movie uh, that I want to make because it doesn't have like when we're going down the list of like The Martian, like yeah, that's like a yeah. Scott Brothers movie that doesn't fit either one of them. No, you know what's interesting is you know I I'm starting to distrust IMDb because they they do that known for thing where you get right. four block of movies. Of all the things that we've talked about, you know this is what. Ridley Scott is known for Martian, Blade Runner, Thelma Louise, Gladiator. We now mention of Alien. Hmm. So IMDb is for the people. Then I, I, I guess. guess so. However, Tony Scott, you know the guy who made Top Gun and these great films. This is what he's known for: Domino, Unstoppable, True Romance, and The Fan. I'd probably put three of the four are some of his bottom films. Uh, is that like? Uh algorithm based is that like the most search for movies like because I, I i actually saw that earlier too because i was going to uh the list and i'm like when i mentioned domino i'm like why is domino number one yeah <laughs> like i thought i was going with a not a deep pull but sort of off the beaten path uh i i can't really uh yeah i can't understand that um because even like when you mentioned deja vu and like man on fire uh you know he has the, the whole like sort of denzel period i think his last is it last four films? Last three films. All Denzel starring action films. Yeah. I could see that. Like, well, at least one of those, you know, having a more recent one on there, but it would not be, not be Domino. Um, you know, I would say uh, the fan being up there, you're still talking about, that might be the biggest miss. That I, I think I've only seen parts of that. I think I tapped I've out of that one. I've seen it in its entirety, and I remember loving that movie because De Niro is so unhinged uh, in his love of uh, Wesley Snipes' baseball player. That he's gonna go to murderous, murderous levels. You know, I, I, I love almost seeing uh, true idiots on screen, and this is a tip-top <laughs> one because you know we've got our sports fans out there, and you know you see Robert De Niro riding in the car, yelling at the top of his lungs at the that the radio beat guys, all this other saying, and you know you go to a like join these Facebook pages of like your favorite team or whatever and all that stuff. There's some trash on saying there's a lot out there. It's uh, true to life. I'm surprised more people haven't been stabbed in, in uh, (laughs) honor of your football team or baseball team. I, you know, if I was editing this one, uh, thank God, because I've provided technical difficulties for you. That is where the music would play right there. Like, I'm surprised more people have not been stabbed. Like, well, that's been Marcus played this week where we tried to celebrate a man's uh, life work. Um, honestly, you mentioned that. Oh, so go ahead. Honestly, I I kind of put Enemy of the State as bottom tier 
Scott, because I drunk. feel like other than like you know Sizemore bringing some of it, I do like uh, Gene Hackman yelling at Will Smith. Uh, this does feel a little bit more uh, reined in than the stuff that I like. I go back to um, if I'm going for like the pure slick popcorn entertainment. Crimson Tide is my favorite that's, of his. That's that's the one that is that's top three for me with him with Tony Scott. I love Crimson Tide. I think that's one of his great films. And obviously, the hunger for reasons I've already I've already mentioned, um, and true romance because it is like it's cool to see two voices combine that way and actually work a effectively. Threesome. Yeah, a threesome that did not work with. Uh, I don't know your feelings on Natural Born Killers, but you know that didn't play out when Oliver Stone tried to his version of Tarantino. Uh, I don't know if you can see much of Tarantino's voice in that at all, but you see it all over True right. Romance. Oh yeah, because I mean, well, Oliver Stone pales in comparison to the great Tony Scott. So, you know, there's or that even part Ridley Scott, because when we do an episode on an Oliver Stone movie, we spend ten minutes talking about the counselor and Cameron Diaz. So. <laughs> well, I mean, that's hard to defend because I mean, here's something who that's a little dark. So we're comparing the brothers, and Tony Scott, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, took his own life. I believe after. Uh, was did he get a diagnosis of uh, some form of cancer? Was it brain cancer or something like that? No clue. I mean, he he jumped off a bridge, and that's you know what's interesting about that is I'm not going to get make light of it, but that's what a lot of times you'll see these things happen. You know, people take their lives, and you kind of want to know what was going on or what were the circumstances. I didn't want to know any of the circumstances. I was like, damn, that sucks, and sort of felt bad about it. But I, did, I almost, this is the one time that I respected the man's privacy. Just like, gosh, you know, something was going on in his brain. I don't want to know. I just something that's a, there's a low there that I want to just respect his privacy. And I mean, he's no longer with us, but just leave it alone. That's not normally I'm like, with, a, I'm a rubbernecker with enemy of the state. What they taught us, which is uh and, and movie date night, which is be involved, <laughs> figure out what happened. <laughs> someone had a camera. Point. <laughs> did someone you know, talk po- to him? <laughs> you bring that, you bring that point up, but you also mentioned that, He's trying to make a point by having the idiots be the, the government <laughs> coming after us. Right. But then in the credits, if you watch the credits, all you see is these crimes being captured, like idiots doing stupid crimes that are being caught on camera. So he's almost like, yes, there, there's a fine line, but we do need it, you know, because look at what it's capturing. It's capturing these fucking crimes that would have never been seen. It's different from the conversation and then that, you know, the way Coppola does it. That's a very personal movie. Like, it's so focused on one man and what he's going through that as long as you enter his headspace, you're like, this is a nightmare uh, to, to feel that I don't have one sort of quiet moment or quiet thought uh, to share with another human being. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this one was taking like a hard political stance, especially coming out in the late 90s. It's a uh, it's a better version of uh, like the net, which we recently covered on sober cinema. Yeah, which I think I think was really trying to to get the you know the the next door app users or like the the Facebook posters like really scared like you know in the mid nineties like here's what computers are going to do to you. Enemy of the state is sort of saying like here's what's possible, uh, but it doesn't come down on like well time to do away with all this technology either, and it, it's because our uh, unlike. Spoiler alert for the conversation, broadly speaking, all does, for the most part, end well 
for Will Smith, as I think you have the expectation when you're going into a movie starring Will Smith, I don't think uh, you're going to have him like depressed and alone and like, you know, in a destroyed setting, uh, never regaining trust in humanity. Uh, his marriage is going to be intact again. He's going to have his family left back and he's going to have a newspaper headline where he is victorious like Tom Cruise. Of course. Of course. Well, you never know because, you know, Will Smith is always chasing that Oscar. You know, he's tried it multiple times since, you know, I th- to, he's uh, in Jim Carrey territory now, though, right? He yeah. gave up. He, he's like, yeah. I, I tried that for ten years. They didn't. It didn't take. So now, fuck it. Bad boys for life. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. Uh, Probably you know, like Tony you, Scott would have wanted. You know, that's exactly. That's, yeah. You know, you bring up a good point though about the technology and how this is a better version of the net and kind of the evolution of looking at our technology. You know, uh, you know, we went from the conversation and and sort of the listening in on the phone, tapping and bugging all that stuff to the net where it's oh shit the internet is a scary place to this we have this government surveillance what's the next iteration that comes out like i mean we already got our don john porn is bad mm. movie as well but you know are we gonna start attacking tiktok or only fans please leave only fans alone <laughs> yeah like you know we need in pandemic lifestyle we need to keep that <laughs> Lord's work, as you would say, going. <laughs> so, so this doesn't turn into the purge. You, you take away only fa- fans from people, and uh, it's violence in the streets. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I feel it's, it's a good question because I don't know how you know the net, uh, enemy of the state, those type of thrillers. Certainly not the conversation. Um, how they play with today's like if this was released today, you know, with some you know technology changes but pretty much the same story beats do the general public do they care i i don't i feel like they care even less about what they're what they're giving away um i mean all, all the things you sign away just on facebook as far as the oh, data yeah. sharing and tracking like people are aware of this they've, they've been aware of this for over a decade as far as yeah. what google and facebook are doing and uh it's actually a conversation i've had Multiple times with my wife, like she's she's a big Instagram user. That's her social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, the endless scroll. If she's going to be scrolling just past time, it's going to be Instagram. I like Instagram for uh, finding things to share with the nasty Hellcat. Oh, I was going to say because you're too cheap for like the OnlyFans, so you just want the freebies. Like the, <laughs> you, you pretty want, much you want the free bread from an OnlyFans account, <laughs> free bread and water. Um, I like the Chris Rock in I'm going to get you sucker. Have you seen that? I've not seen that. Oh, we might have to talk about that. Play that card. I'm I'm talking about doing a a bird watching movie with uh, Owen Wilson, Jack Black, and you're going with uh, Chris Rock. But the the debate we've had, I guess, in our home is when she uses that account, she finds it incredibly creepy. That's like, um, you know, we we just got a new dog uh, recently, and she's like looking for dog toys or things, and what something that he won't destroy. And then she goes to Instagram to look look at her friends' pictures or homes or whatever, and they're just dog toys, like every other ad. Oh yeah. And she's like, on one hand, it's creepy. On the other hand, I'm still looking for those dog toys. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty useful. I like it. You know, if I'm having a conversation with you about my need for a new nightstand, mm-hmm. God, do the Lord's work, Amazon. <laughs> just give it to me. I, you know what? Here's a pro tip: embrace it because you cannot escape it anymore. It is physically impossible to escape it. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. You really are running with uh, Tony Scott's. Like, yes, there are idiots in charge, 
But there are, other, there are other idiots out there that <laughs> need to be it caught. Could be worse. You could be John Voight <laughs> trying to act like a powerful guy getting cuckolded by his old lady. There it is. There's, I think, I think and that's, that's been Marcus Blade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you bring it to the table next week, Mike? <laughs> well, I was, I was going, I, I guess, you know, somewhat uh, literal with my um, inspiration. Uh, Jason Lee, who was my podcast, uh, heavily focused on. So mm. thank you to Movie Date Night for that. Uh, I'm going to go with Almost Famous, inspired by one of my favorite scenes, maybe even my favorite scene from the movie, where uh, this gentleman goes on uh, a pretty nice rant about being one of the out-of-focus guys, being usurped by the uh, the far handsomer and uh, more charismatic uh, lead guitarist. And uh, yeah, so Enemy of the State, it's not one-to-one, but I've got the actor. I've got the out-of-focus guys. I think we can make it work. Okay. And cuckolding somehow. I don't somehow. know when it'll well, come Jason up. Jason Lee gets doesn't he get cuckolded in uh, Vanilla Sky? Probably should have done that. He actually, you know what? Uh, I'll try to save us from going into the details on the almost famous the official episode. He actually um, is a participant in the cuckolding of his rival lead guitarist. Sleeps with his girlfriend. Oh, wife. that's right. Jason oh, Lee God, is now victorious. I'm excited. There you go. A full episode on cuckolding. <laughs> Let's talk about that plane airplane scene. I can't uh, wait. Cameron Crowe would be so happy. We. I think a lot of people are cuckolding. <laughs> that dude's funny. Thank you for listening to Marcus Blade. The cuckold power hour. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs>